Owen Marbury was part owner of an IT service business. Now he's locking horns with his ex-partner Devin and fighting for his reputation and his freedom. But when Michaela Stanford, his former college bestie and crush, walks back into his life, he's reminded of the fire that still burns between them. As their 20-year college reunion approaches, they have a chance to rekindle their friendship and explore love once again. But Owen's battle with Devin is getting in the way of pursuing things with Michaela. With Devin breathing down their necks and threatening their lives, Owen must decide whether to give in or fight for his heart's desire. This is the premise of Secret Second Chances, a friends to lovers second chance romance available on Amazon on March 5th. Pick up your copy today. This is the Nerdy Romantics Podcast, and I'm your host, Y.M. Nelson. Episode 10 discusses the book, The One. However, we'll also get into a little bit about the Netflix show. And it will include spoilers of both the book and the show. This is a good one, everyone. So if you haven't read the book, The One, and you don't want to be spoiled, take a moment, go read the book, then come back and join us. Okay, so today's episode, we are talking the book, the novel, The One by John Mars. And we have on the line Stacy, Marcy, Dana, and Pam, our new nerdy romantic who we've recruited. Also, full disclosure, she's a longtime friend. And what we usually do here is talk about what we're reading that we want to share right now, or just what we like to read. If you're not reading anything right now, what genres you like to read in. So let's start with Pam, since she's new. Pam. Yes, ma'am. What are you reading right now that you want to share? Or what do you like reading in general? Well, right now I'm reading a lot of things that are more of self-help type books that are helping me more with taking time for self, looking at the my emotions and the things that are important. And so yeah. I think pretty much that's where I'm going. That's my genre for right now, just in terms of doing self-help. All right. Um, how about you, Dana? Sure. So um, as you already all know, <laughs> I'm into the Douglas Child and um, Pres- well, Prex- Preston and Douglas Child um, group of books, the Pendergast series. Now, I finished all 23 of them, I think now, but they have other books wow. that they've written together where it's not um, Pendergast isn't the main character. So now I'm reading one with called Thunderhead. And it's basically it seems like the introduction and background to the Nora Kelly character for anybody who may be reading those books. And it actually came out, I think, in the 90s. So it's actually one of the older books. I listened to it and it's 17 hours long and I'm loving it. <laughs> awesome. Marcy? Well, I my general genre tends to be mostly African-American friction. Um, I do tend to, because I have Kindle Unlimited, a lot of it is urban fiction. Uh, But right now, actually, I am reading Iris Bowling from her Nate Rain series. She is a um, local writer from Virginia, and I've been following her since um, her Heart series debut. And so Nate Rain's is more of her mystery suspense not as much on the romance side um and it's part of a trilogy so that's what I'm reading right now awesome and Stacy what are you reading right now um well 
currently I'm reading another John uh, Mars uh, book uh, <laughs> called What Lies Between Us. Um, this is actually the third. Now this is the third book I've read of his. It started with the one. Wow. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Like I, I, I like the book. So. Well, I'm happy to um, introduce a new author to you. <laughs> this is a new author to me as well. But as we know from a previous episode, we kind of um, found this through the Netflix series, The One, which it has completed its first season. It is said that it will get a second season, I believe. And because of our, shall we say, mediocre feelings about the show, I thought, why not do a book chat about the the actual book from where the show originated? So we read the book and because of our different reactions, we have such an opposite reaction from a lot of most of the nerdy romantics that you're hearing today. We decided to do a podcast episode on it. So in general, y'all, what did you think about the book as far as your impressions after you've seen the show? So this is Marcy. And I will have to say that I remember reading maybe the first three pages and sending a message saying, this is nothing like the show. I really felt like (laughs) (laughs) this was not even the same thing. It was so different. In fact, that almost by the time I got a third of the way through, I wasn't even considering the series as being the same thing. I I was honestly considering series more based on than ever being actually true to the novel itself. Anybody else, what y'all think? For me, if you've listened to some of the previous podcasts when we talked about the TV show, you can tell I did not like the TV show (laughs) at all. I mean, I, one who, who suggested it because I thought the premise would be nice and I thought it'd be interesting, but I end up not enjoying the TV show. But when I start reading the book or rather listening to the book on my way home, I'll just really like enjoy the book. It was such a difference for me that I got even probably madder about the TV show because I enjoyed the book so much. And I have to do the same thing with Marcy is when I first, when you first suggested listening to or reading the book I was like maybe not because I didn't enjoy the tv show but when I was listening to it while driving I was like who is this who's this related to the person and then I was like Mm -hmm. you didn't like the show don't even try to think of it just just listen to the book and once I did that it was and it didn't take long I mean that was like within like Mark said three or four pages I was maybe about 20 minutes if that or 15 20 minutes into it it's like this is doesn't really sound anything like it. But once I started listening to it and kind of totally disregarding the TV show on it, it just really got my attention and held my attention throughout the whole book. Much better to me. This was so much better that I really even, now I really hate the TV show because I really enjoyed (laughs) this book. Oh boy. Mm. So I'll piggyback off of Stacy. So because I'm not a bah humbug, I did not dislike the show. I actually <laughs> thought the show was good. However, before that we even start watching the show, I already had questions. So how the DNA matched, because there's so many different things that I felt like could go wrong or things we talked about, what happens mm-hmm. if you find out um, that the person is the same sex as you and maybe you didn't think that you were into that. Or what if, you know, we talked about a lot of stuff, what if your person is dead? You know, oh. <laughs> Bunch of right. different things that we discussed for what the show was I liked it what I recall from the review of the show I didn't like is they started to try to get into the science part of the DNA match but they couldn't really explain it so they just gave you a, enough of a hint for it to bother me because you couldn't explain yourself so why even talk about it and I think that's where that's one of the places I think the book did way better for me we didn't even talk about the science of how it worked nobody cares we're just going to say it works and let's go with the part that we really because none of us are scientists trying to figure out how to do this in real life we're here for the story about the people to see what happens and I feel like that's certainly where the book gave us so so much more they addressed a lot of those questions I had before even watching the show. So while I think the show was good, it's definitely something that needs another season because there's just too many 
open-ended things that I feel like they didn't address that they really need to address because if I thought about them I know other people did too um and so I I assume that's what they're going to do with the second season but yes the book was definitely better than the show Pam did you uh watch the show no I did not and I was going to mention that because just listening to your comments and then going along with what I read in the book and how detailed the characters were and all the moving and twists and turns, my fear is that when I watch the TV show, it won't, it might let me down, but I'm going to try to stay open and uh, we'll get a chance to watch it and I will give you all my feedback once I do. Okay. So actually coming, not um, having not watched the show, what did you think about the book? Oh, <laughs> wow. I, I thought the book was pretty awesome. I of course, it was gruesome in parts for me, which yeah. I don't do gruesome a whole lot. I saw some, you know, some small love stories within it as well. I also saw some craziness in it. But I always try to come up with a theme that just kind of sticks out with me. And the thing that came up for me was curiosity killed the cat. Yeah. And, what, and what I mean by that is so basically that sometimes when we're curious about things, sometimes it can lead to danger or misfortune. I'll piggyback on that um, while we wait for her to come back and say that I, like Dana, enjoyed the show. But I do think that there was, to Pam's point, a lot more depth and character development in the book. And I and I also did feel that there was, I actually enjoyed the gruesome element a little bit more because I felt like it kind of broke up the main storyline a little bit um, without taking away from it. And I see that Pam's back, so I'm going to give the, the stage back to her. Okay. Pam? Okay, the only other thing I was going to say, and actually, Marcy, you um, were going into that. I think many times throughout the chapters in the book, I would, when things would happen, I, my mouth just went wide open, like, are you serious? And I think it was just so surprising for me that it definitely kept my attention. Um, so it kept my curiosity, but I also see that curiosity can definitely cause issues and problems for people. And that's what happened. So let's get into a little bit, now that we've given our overall impression, let's get into the stories and the characters. What did we think in general of the, all the different stories that they had going? I think Dana mentioned a little bit about we've got a little bit more depth and that they need a little, um, what do we think of all the different stories in the book and the depth that they give? Well, I have to say my absolute favorite story and the one I could have just paid attention to the whole time was going to be the Mandy and Richard situation. Not only, um, and so now I listened to this, by the way, and I think there were like, Stacey, I don't know if you listened to this, but I think there were like four women characters, actually different women (laughs) who actually voiced these characters. And I thought it was the same woman the whole time. But anyway, Mandy really stood out to me because I liked her accent and everything. And she had a slight dinginess to her, which I think I feel like read according to the character because the way she goes along with having a baby from a guy, you know, all the kind of stuff she did. There's some slight dinginess there where I would have been like, yeah, I'm not having a baby of somebody, you know, that I never even met and all this other stuff. But I just really, I didn't see the whole thing with Richard. I honestly thought he was dead. They really played it very well in terms of going to his memorial. Friends and family were there to say goodbye. I did not realize that he was just in a coma somewhere. So I I think that just gave their story just even more like, wow, the twist and turns in Mandy and Richard's story. I was here for it. And I enjoyed Mandy and Richard's story as well. Um, Because like you said, you said dinginess. And I thought to me, kind of a desperation. I thought, um, oh yeah, which which I really kind of liked about this was that it was talking more about how the one and finding the one was kind of changing our society in a way or change society and about thoughts about relationships and the value of your relationships. Because she placed a premium on a relationship with her match. Because in, in when we listened to that and she was married and he, and he found his one or whatever and divorced her and left her and her, both of her sisters and I, and I don't know if that was four different women <laughs> as well who voiced those actresses, but but when she talks about her sisters and their sister and her sisters, you know, allegedly 
are married to their matches. And she, you know, she talked about their children and how if I have children without to with someone outside of my match, they're not the same. It's not going to be as great. She insulted, basically insulted her sister who had been lying all along that she was not matched with her um, husband. They just love each other. That's it. It's not a, it wasn't, they found each other. They just say they're matched because that's the thing it seems that people are, were doing at that point is like, your, your marriage is not going to be a real marriage if you're not married to your one. And that's why I, I kind of like, not just that, but that how that is putting like an extra hardship in a way or extra fear for people. Like if I, you know, this, I'm married to this person. It's like, are y'all matched? Not if you love them, not, you know, if you, you share interests, it's if you're matched and that trumps all. And she bought into that. And so she's with, you know, even though he, she thinks for the whole time that he's, he's dead, she's willing to do all this stuff to be with her match or, you know, to have a child with her dead match, to isolate herself from her family because she kind of clings to his family because they see the warning signs, they see the red flags because they actually love her. But she's so focused on my match, my match. And if I can't have a match, let me have a child by my match. I do, I did like her story. There's some of the stories that I like, I was more into than others, but definitely um, Mandy and Richard were one of those that I was, that I was really interested in. It's, we say Mandy and Richard, but it's really Mandy and Richard's mother. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, who I was most interested, not the most interested, but one of the ones that I was like, really made me think about how we always put pressure on women anyway. You know, we all, oh, you're not married yet? You don't have any kids? You know, you know, the single, you know, that kind of thing. And now you've got an extra addition of you're not married. You haven't found the one yet. You know, they got to be out there. It's like, maybe they're, I think that's just, to me, we're seeing the added pressure of that. I think I need to piggyback right here because I think my favorite couple of Christopher and Amy was the opposite of that like he was really driven he was interested in the in the in the match and they were polar opposites and it was watching the concept of your one and what you do whether that one I think the same thing kind of with Ellie and Tim is what if your one isn't what you thought your one was going to be and the two different ways that people change within those relationships to try to mold themselves to the concept of the one. And so I think in both of their relationships, that's really what I was drawn to is what if how they change themselves within these relationships just because they they were accepting this premise of this person is my match. I think that was also part of something that was really stuck out to me. So you see Mandy's desperation to have a match. And then you see these people who aren't really sure when they see their match, that their match is actually their match, but they're willing to do a whole lot of things and a whole lot of changing to try to fit into that mold. And I, and, and I think that um, is it because it's the match or do we do that in all relationships anyway? Yeah, I I have to piggyback and agree on that. That's what kind of compelled me with Christopher and Amy. It's like, what if your match is not exactly all up about your values? You know, I mean, Amy is the cop and Christopher is the serial killer. I'm like, you know, do I really, you know, <laughs> am I really, do I really like this? And then on the other side of it, Christopher um, actually kind of changing his values and what he values, which is killing innocent females and actually thinking, wow, maybe I actually have some feelings. Maybe I'm actually not the person that I think I am, you know? And so he changes. What also compelled me was the, the Jade and Kevin non-match match jade was trying to be there for kevin but we find out she's really actually not matched with kevin she's trying to change but then she realizes no i i can't i can't do it but i am going to do this 
I am going to be morally, I'm going to be with him because he is dying. But after he passes, she just, you know, she cannot resist her, her match. Pam, what about you? What did you think of the different stories and and which set of characters or which story kind of spoke to you the most? Um, I would say I'm definitely more intrigued with Christopher and Amy just because of looking at them individually in terms of uh, Christopher seeing himself as a normal person, even though we're seeing him as a serial killer, but he saw himself as quite normal um, yeah. in terms of his in terms of his relationships, in terms of even as a young person, when even people were calling him a psycho then, he still saw himself as a sane person, even though he was choosing to do all of these things, which most of us would say was insane. And then grouping himself with a cop of all people, just the relationship there and how, and even in the end, how Amy totally had to accept the fact that I'm, I'm loving a killer here or I'm matched with a killer and now I have to kill him. So, so I just thought that was a great, um, that whole piece with Christopher and Amy. But the other piece I was going to mention too is just looking at uh, different ones. Like for instance, Nick, Nick totally changed the way he thought things were going to be just because he was matched with a man. And it just changed everything that he did in terms of his relationship with Sally, his yeah. choice to leave, you know, for, for a bit. It, it uprooted everything that he believed and thought was supposed to be. And then because Sally kind of pushed it, he decided to follow another path and it just changed everything. So I was intrigued definitely about by them as well. Nick and Sally's was probably my favorite I don't not say favorite, but the one I was most interested in, because as you said, yeah. um, Nick totally not he didn't to me totally change, but he changed. He was someone, like I said, who was um, straight. He's never had a relationship with another man and all that and no interest in another man until the one until he meet, meets Alex. <laughs> That's the closest one I've seen to the, uh, the show. Um, if you remember that one yep. couple in the show. Yeah, uh, but instead she didn't trick she didn't trick him, but she forced it. But I think part of the reason she forced it to find out, okay, are we really meant to be together? And I think part of it was because of was it her best friend and what I can't remember her name, Samara, Sam, Samara, and yeah, and they're yeah. like we're matched, we're matched, and again lying to say that we're right. matched. You need to get matched too. <laughs> exactly. So another lying. couple line that they were they got matched when they when they weren't matched and then basically pressuring another couple to get to get the test and, and then, then the ironic twist that then it turns out that Deepak and Sally thought they were matched oh yeah, right really and then you find out they may not have been because of the whole thing with Tim I'm sorry Kevin Kevin uh no Tim Tim Mark Mark Mark, mm-hmm. Mark Kim, yeah Mark Tim whatever yeah <laughs> whatever would it go by yeah but um and how when they he said they may they might not have never really been matched. It might have been a fake match, but they fell not fell in love, but they fell in the bed together because of it. Yeah. Um, that whole thing, that concept, when people tell you that this is what you should be doing, this is almost like a placebo effect. That is that you think that this is my match because something has told me this is what it is. Mm-hmm. So I have a question though. I think for me, Nick and Alex were the most genuine relationship example and they were the and they were both the most reticent that this match was actually real except for they felt a connection to one another and so I wondered I mean that that was you know they were the most least likely match but they felt the strongest connection to one another and they did the work to to be together at the end and I I just wonder how we feel about that I mean, that's the one I told, that's the only, I'm not saying the only relationship I like, but that was the relationship that I truly believed in, really in this. When I talk about um, what a placebo effect, I was really referring to um, Sally and Deepak, that kind of thing. And then later, you know, with that, but their relationship is the only two people who truly, I'm not looking for my match, or I'm not looking to match with this person. I want to be, as when Nick said, I want to marry you, Sally. That was it. But then once he meets Alex, and again, it wasn't like instantaneous, but it was close because there was what goes that one massage treatment, and it wasn't till the end when he they felt that pull. They both felt that pull, and they both 
as he said, they neither one of them really wanted because they both had relationships with other people. And so that's the only one that I truly believe in. Maybe the you know the story of well, not the only one, Christopher and Amy, because that was really different too. Um, that truly to me seemed like a match, and they so much to get together and be together. I mean, and able and were willing to give each other up for other people. Because I mean, when uh, was it Nick um, when Sally? That she was pregnant, Nick was going to give up Alex because he did not want to raise, wanted her, he wanted to be in the life of his child. Now, once, you know, spoilers, um, it ended up being not his child. He's, you know, I mean, he did eventually, and, and Sally, um, you know, I'm not going to say fortuitously, but she, she dies, and he can go and see and actually be with Alex. But they were to me the most, I'm not saying purest or decent in a way relationships out of the ones that we that were in this um book or the story yeah i would say i'm sorry i would no, just go say ahead. each of these couples each of these couples for me i mean at the end it leaves such a stain or a, such of you know moments of destruction and change that really causes me to um go back to even with ellie in terms of even finding this uh, or discovering this gene in terms of the whole thing with the uh with trying to find your match it it really makes me feel like you know ellie wondering if ellie really 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 thought that any of this would work that you know maybe she was hoping that it would truly happen but even seeing when that lady came and attacked her um that some people just didn't agree with this, but she was still trying to push this along and thinking that it was going to really happen. Um, and it also just tells us just in life, a lot of us, that's what we're trying to do. We're just, it's almost like we're trying to squeeze or make something um, out of nothing that is really, and it makes you go back to figure out what's really important. So, I mean, I just, I think it's just wild um, how each one of them, and it ends with such, um, a mess to me in the end. You mentioned that and it also kind of makes me think a little bit about the show and how different Ellie is in the book and the um, main character in the show, I think her name was Rebecca in the show, um, kind of how they approached love and approach this whole experiment of matching it did seem like Ellie was like trying to make something out of nothing she was trying very hard but she also to me in a sense kind of didn't believe it for herself in a sense she didn't think okay you know I'm going to be matched you know she wanted it to happen but she didn't really think herself that she would. But to me in the show, Rebecca, I mean, the first person she kind of tested it on was herself. And she, inevitably, she wanted to be matched. Like that was in like the back of her mind. She wanted to be matched. And she really believed in what she was doing, not just because, wow, this science works, but wow, I want to be matched and I'm in love kind of thing. But I do want to move on and ask because it's funny that we all talk about, except for like Nick and Sally, we all kind of talked about the relationships that we did not necessarily see in the show. And we thought that those were the most interesting. So if there's one thing that you can take from this book that you would want to see in season two, what would that be? Um, Christopher and Amy. Yeah. Christopher, and, <laughs> Christopher Amy. and Amy. Yes, Most Christopher definitely. and Amy. Also Mandy and Richard. But Christopher and Amy, I mm -hmm. feel like unless you're going to tell me that the girl that the 
police officer matched with is actually a murderer, then I feel like we're missing that kind of edge to the story. Uh, And I think Mandy and Richard's story also has that bit of edge with his background and his mother and all of that. I think they chose to make it very cookie cutter and not have anything. um, I guess they felt like the premise itself was risky enough. So maybe they didn't want to put too much more into it. But I feel like they really watered it down. And what was suspenseful and what was engaging about the book, I feel like they took away from the core of the show. Yeah. Dana, go ahead. Now, I was just going to say, so for me, what I would actually kind of like to see is something I think that was touched on with Ellie and Tim slash Mark is what happens when the data gets corrupted. Because that's kind of the world we're living in right now. We hear data breaches and junk like that all the time. So now I'm interested in people who paired up, left their husband, wife, swore they loved the other person and come to find out you that was never your one in the first place. Now what? Because I think kind of in like the desperation that Stacy was talking about earlier. If you remember, like, I think it was with Jade, as a matter of fact, with Jade, she said she really wasn't feeling the brother at first. Like she never had that feeling, even though he was supposed to be the one, but she was just trying to, I guess, kind of push it and make it. And I'm thinking about people who, you know, you've been told this is your one, this is your forever. And so people are like, well, I don't feel anything, but they don't want to say anything because whether the other person is really feeling it there now, or, you know, I just, I want to see what happens when, because ultimately I think that's what would happen in real life. Some, somewhere something would go wrong, things would be messed up. And so I think in season two, I'm ready. I, I love the idea of what you guys just talked about. And I don't know how they're going to do it because you're right that now that she's gotten uh, the sister character or the brother character, excuse me, unless he turns out to be a criminal, I don't know how they're going to do that. But right. unless, I definitely yeah. would like to see what happens when the data is wrong because that happens. Yeah. <laughs> And they kind of barely touched on barely, the whole, yeah. yeah, they barely touched on it. Oh, Pam, do you, what do you, uh, well, you didn't see, I'm sorry, you didn't see the I, show, I, so you don't know, I, but <laughs> what, what do you want to see when season two comes around? Look, I'm, ex- I'm excited. Um, <laughs> when Marcy was talking about Christopher and Amy, I was like, oh, wow, they're going to um, develop her even more. So I was excited about that. But I wonder if there's going to be something that comes back and you got you all can help me um about mandy and richard do you think something might kind of happen there that might be something interesting to see yeah they're totally not in season one at all so they are probably the best opportunity they're not they didn't amalgamate their character into somebody else or anything like that like to dana's point because amy the cop figure is almost woven into the jade she's almost turned into jade in some ways Mm -hmm. and with a a splash of nick it's kind of hard to to but mandy and richard weren't touched at all so they're fertile ground for actual for a new storyline i just hope they add in some of to dana's point the what ifs and and the other realities of the matching i think they introduced a whole lot but i don't know that they tied it together as well as the book does and so i i feel like there's all this craziness that's sitting out there and the ellie or the the rebecca like storyline she's not nearly as complex as ellie is Mm -hmm. and the tim mark component isn't really clear so i think there's opportunity there maybe but then she's got that weird like her match but that that's but he's hidden away like there's so many things that they created in the show that they almost didn't need to because they had really good bones in the book and i'm confused as to some of the choices that were made early on to do some of the things that they did when they had such rich characters to work from from the book go ahead no go ahead Dana because now I'm, I think that we're kind of stuck so the more you're talking it just reminds me of like what we talked about with the original um show and I'm like we also need to see ugly people so what happens if your DNA match looks like you know somebody's big toe like how does that because we took one of the things we've talked about with this show is everybody is attractive <laughs> um and they're all around the same age like I don't know would my DNA automatically make match me up with somebody kind of or would he be 50 years older than me I don't know that's why I, I think the show has so much potential even though yes the book was better the show is still going 
So it has so much potential to bring it in now that they have this book. I don't know why. Like I said, I think they decided, I'm hoping they decided not to give it all away in the first season. And that's why we didn't get all the good stuff from the book. But uh, I, there's definitely opportunity for a lot of stories. This, this series could go on for a while. Yeah, I agree with you, though. I think, and your what ifs are fantastic. Like, what if, I, I, I never even thought of what if there was an age difference because that's not, but you're right. Everybody was close to the same age, even if they were in different localities. And you're right. Most people were generally attractive-ish. But I think you're right. What happens if? And like, what happens if your person, the person you're matched with is not able-bodied or if, you know, or is, or differently abled or um, any of those kinds of things. I'm interested to see some of those what ifs and I hope those what ifs edge it up a little bit because I do think they watered it down and I'd like to see that suspense and that those twists that we got in the book I'd like to see that same engaging kind of quality to season two I'm laughing because I was thinking about the whole tv show catfish I was thinking that with some of these storylines like you were mentioning just with different people and different ages different sizes of people whatever the case may be um, we may be dealing with a whole bunch of catfish happening <laughs> along the way. So hold, hold uh, your thought, Pam, because I think uh, we will be back in just a few moments. Okay, so we are back, and Pam, you were mentioning uh, catfishing. So elaborate a little bit on that, because I think we got a little cut off. Sure. From what saying. Uh, and you know, when you talk about catfishing, it's basically when someone um, like creates this fake persona or this um, this fake identity in terms of tricking another person, and I would be interested in seeing some of that. And even Lincoln, when they were talking about the you flirt, I know Christopher talked a lot about how he connected with women that he ended up killing with the you flirt. But looking at how to tie that in and pull some of those other relationships that's coming out of the you flirt even, uh, and then along with the whole idea of catfishing, because that happens a lot, I could imagine, on the online dating world, or the online relationship type world. So just looking at those different aspects maybe something to see in the actual television show to kind of piggyback on that a little bit in the book ellie was basically being catfished <laughs> because this guy was not really matched with her he just perpetrated a fraud so he could get back at her absolutely and- true And, you know, come to think of it, if they hadn't kind of boxed themselves in in season one, y'all, they could have brought out this what if, like Dana was saying, what if there was a data breach or something went wrong? Basically, it opens up the opportunity for people to catfish other people. And, and that show is, and, you know, if MTV's catfish, that show is big, right? That show was huge, you know? Sorry. No, I was go ahead. On the catfishing. It's like, that wasn't the only one. If you think about it was catfishing, Mandy and Richard were yep. catfished because she was catfishing to believing that he was dead and that and his mother and his sister talked about his personality, what kind of person he was, when, but when we talked to his girlfriend, he got a whole different persona or really personality that was him. So that was catfishing right there. And we most definitely had that with, um, was it Jade and Kevin slash Mark, even though he right. didn't realize he was catfishing her, she was being catfished. Yeah. That's absolutely true. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Big time. And so, mm-hmm. and to me, this goes back to the whole science part of this that makes me wonder. So now I'm, I'm starting to wonder with the whole Tim Mark thing, since he's not actually her match, was she just genuinely in love with him? Because all the feelings that I'm supposed to get are like these feelings that I, I imagine I can only get with my one. So then what, is she was- lying? Like, no, I think that was, that was, is she I just think that was part of my question. 
early on. Part of, part when I said, do people it. change themselves because this person is supposed to be their match? Do they change themselves and try to convince themselves that that is true, even if that's not what they what they feel because you're right at least with jade she was very clear at the beginning that she didn't feel it she he was just in an unfortunate situation but ellie although she knew she didn't quote unquote feel it Mm -hmm. kept trying to convince herself mentally that that, okay so he's not my type in this way but maybe i like a man who blah 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 you see what i'm saying like i think she was trying to convince herself into it even though her gut told her this is not my match right well i think that goes when i've said at the beginning about a placebo effect someone is telling you that should be your match or something is telling you that should be your match mm-hmm. and you're taking every positive thing as being that's why they're the one for all of them you know she believed ellie believed in her science and that my science is correct, that if he's my match, he should be my match. And she was told disregard how her initial feeling is. I guess maybe because she was the creator of finding it. And she doesn't seem like she ever has ever been in love or had that kind of relationship like that with a person that she couldn't really read whether that was actually something more in depth. I know when we listen to see her background, or not see, but when we... um read a little bit about her background, it doesn't show that she had a major love or was a right. person who did a lot of dating or anything. Like, we don't know if she's ever really felt strong emotion for someone, you know, love-like emotion, even if it's not love. But I think it was easier for her to kind of fall into, I'm not really feeling it, but I've never felt it. Maybe the stuff that I'm eventually feeling is becoming that. And he's also catering to her though, you know, like seeing, oh, she seems like this kind of person. I'm going to do like this to do that. I mean, he was the ultimate catfish, but in a way, I think she was falling for it because she believed in her science so much that he had to be the one. So anything she read as positive for our relationship, that was leading up to him being the one. And that's also what um, Jade and Kevin, she wasn't feeling it, but she was, and she was feeling guilty because she couldn't, she couldn't feel it. But I think she's also, but she at least experienced, I think, had more experience in love or loving someone than Ellie and so she kind of knew he wasn't the match for her even though she didn't want to really admit it to herself in that way totally off the subject not totally off the subject of the book but for me when I was leading um Jade and Kevin part of me was thinking that maybe he was I didn't really think of the brother at first until later but I was thinking maybe because of the fact that he had cancer and then he had he had cancer treatments and that to me, that might have thrown off. That's what I was thinking response. too. And that's what yeah. I mean, you know, initially thought. Yep, yep. That's what I was thinking too. Because he had cancer, maybe that was kind of throwing off some of that response because maybe his, I, I think he had a radiation or a chemotherapy treatment or something like that. That was possibly messing with the DNA or messing with the science of it all. And that was why they couldn't feel that feeling or whatever. And the rabbit hole just gets deeper. Yes. <laughs> yes. yes. That's what I really thought was because of that, that maybe that's why she wasn't feeling it. Yeah. I mean, but now, Stacey, sorry, Stacey, to your question okay. now, I'm like, okay, so the head of this business has never really been in love. Well, then I don't know that I want her. How does she know that this is working? <laughs> like, she's that's that's kind of odd. Like she's never had this feeling, but she really wants everybody else to have it or make money from it. I'm not even sure if she really wants everyone to have it, but I would have to really read the book again on that, on how she really felt about it. But Um, I kind of felt, I kind of felt like the same way. I don't think she really, yeah. And I was saying this earlier. I don't think she really had that love feeling or that that was why she was doing it because she wanted to find that love feeling, which is different. Well, yeah, I show. agree. Like I thought in my mind, and this is probably partially from the show, she's this businesswoman, high-ranking businesswoman. And mm-hmm. we know the trope, high-ranking businesswoman, you cannot have a personal life. So I felt like that's kind of how she, she chose business over her personal life. But then back to the whole science thing, I'm like, you liking stuff I like and doing things that I like to do and complimenting me and buying me gifts should not bring on the same feeling that a molecular DNA love. That's because yeah. that's why I was, why 
you know, I, I think it's like Stacey said, she was forcing herself into this. But in my mind, I'm like, anybody could come up in here and be like, oh, you look pretty. Let me take you to dinner. That's not enough in my mind to get this DNA love that everybody was talking about. But like, I think, again, it's the placebo effect that she, even though normally if someone was complimentary, she wouldn't think anything of it or she it wouldn't be the same thing. But also you have the fact that this person is supposed to be my one. It takes greater, that whole you look beautiful has more greater weight than some random guy saying you look beautiful today. You know, no, I mean, oh, I agree. She's, I think that might be she was herself. doing more. Yeah, she's lying to herself, <laughs> but it's, I think it was really just because she believed in her science. She took more weight on what it what he was saying versus because she believed he was the, her one. Let me ask you this because I don't remember now it, with the book. Okay. How did this even go? Because again, I would think, and this is something the the show did, is she was one of the first people to do her match on the show. So she, which would make sense to me if this is your creation, right? So I don't remember in the book how she even got to her match. Oh, somebody sent it to her. No, she she got sent because he he hacked into the system and said that this was the match. He was whatever. She never, in the book, she, at that point, she had discovered this, but never found it for herself. And what, what basically it initiated was she was experimenting and they kind of bring this in the book, getting people's DNA without their consent. Right. And that's what yeah. she did in the book and in the movie. But in the book, it showed that by getting people without her, their, their consent, she got the um, DNA of his, his dad. Because yes. I think his dad worked there too. And then, and his dad found and got, her, got his match and left the mom. And then the mom gets her match and her match is a, pedophile as they say in England (laughs) um, gives it all up for him I mean I you know she basically empties her bank account to keep him out of jail or whatever for his legal fees and stood beside you know stood behind him you know so basically tearing his family life apart because first thing is that she did the whole the DNA thing without his father's consent and finding his match without and then that kind of thing and then second his mother mother's match is is this pedophile and his family is destroyed. And that's why he's going for her. And he's one, basically he's the same, he's the same person that was it, spit on her or threw stuff on her or whatever. Same person, except he didn't do it in her face like that. He did it behind her back and did it so that destroyed her, destroyed her completely. Yeah. My question I think was, and what I just found odd that I actually, in this case, as we talk more about it, feel like maybe the show did better is I, again, I find it hard to believe that the person who invents this doesn't know her own match or wouldn't even look into it. Yes. And this just, like, well, that she didn't so, look into so, her match. She put her stuff out there, but she hadn't gotten a, she hadn't a match gotten yet. It. Right. And he was so inside her system, anything she, she double had he one. would not have, he would have already like validated. Remember, he was well in her system. Well, no, so but she he should have known her match was before anybody else. I mean, this is something you do when well, you're no. beta testing. <laughs> like, no, but she did, try, but it's, it's not a, but it's not a guarantee. You put your match out there. The other person has to put their stuff out there. And if that person hasn't, she's not going to find a match. Regardless, I could be beta testing all my life and put it in, but if my whole thing is someone else has to put theirs in. But does she even, I don't know, I guess I didn't get the impression that she was even looking. Well, I man, I think she did put her stuff, I mean, she did. It wasn't a matter, I mean, that's how the whole reason she got it was because she has put her match, already put her, her DNA out there. She just has never gotten a match back from that, which I also think leads to that because she's been, her being the, um, the face of the one, and she does not have the one. I think that's also leading her to fall for him even harder because of that, too. But again, that's why I feel like in that area, the show was a little better because she had a fake the one. Like, it's just hard for me. I mean, and I'm sure this happens because obviously we have men who are selling, like, I'm thinking about labor and people talking about how horrible the clothes were this year. But anyway... And they're talking about a whole bunch of men sitting up there making decisions. So I know it can happen, but to have somebody who's never experienced love, hasn't found the one, being the head person spokesman for it all just seems kind of, but in the show, she had it. And so it felt to me a little bit more believable because you saw her, you were like, oh, this is what I want. Look at her husband. They have a beautiful relationship. I just think it was different 
in the book. And I guess if I had to say maybe areas where maybe the show was a little bit more realistic to me, I was I would give it that if I'm trying to give it anything because, you know, the book was better. Here's the thing. So I didn't really talk about it, but like her story wasn't that interesting to me in the book. <laughs> I thought it was okay, but it just didn't, it didn't sit as, as realistic oh, to me, I guess. Okay, so you like the her character in the show better than the book? Is that what you just I didn't said? love her character anywhere. So let, I mean, let's I be love. honest. I'm just saying. Right. I'm just okay. saying the two she liked. Yeah, I, I felt like to some of it, because like the whole murder and stuff, some of it was just like I think they were probably equally just messed up. But in that one area of believability, the show I think felt better than the book. Well, I can agree with you on that because especially when it comes to stuff like that, we want to see a spokesmodel. You know, if she's going to be a spokesmodel, mm-hmm. she needs to have something like that. But if you think about the realm of science, the scientist don't, doesn't have to have that cancer to do the cancer research. I mean, you don't no. have, Brandon, I don't want to say love is cancer, but a lot of things because of science, they don't necessarily have to have, have had that disease to find or have that syndrome or whatever to try to find a cure or a cause for it I mean some of them do but some a lot of them don't and I think if you go from a science perspective that can be believable but if you're going by the spokes model it's like if I'm going to a weight loss thing and it's good in the spokes and they're and they had never lost weight you know or needed to lose weight it's like right. so you're going to be there and not you know you've 100 pounds of wet. I mean, you're going to be the spokesperson and you've never had to worry about that. If you think of it as that kind of, yes, it'd be more believable if she already had, if she found her one too. And that's the difference too, now that you mentioned it. Like, I don't feel like in the book, she was a spokesperson, but I definitely felt like she was that in the show because they kept having her go to events and talk and do stuff. But I don't remember that in the book. In the book, she she was more like, I wouldn't say they, they didn't use her as a spokesperson. She was the science right. behind it right. and the creator, but she was not, to me, they didn't focus as much on that aspect of it. In the book, she was already in the controversy. Yes. When we met her. So she was trying to lay low, <laughs> but it doesn't start in the show until after they introduce her and how it happened and all that and then you see where she is today but I think in the book she almost she was dating him basically because she had time because she was trying to lay low from all the legal stuff you know I think it was a little it felt a little bit different from those two perspectives and I do think that she was definitely more visible on the show she was a lot more visible but her relationship was hidden I think in both cases her relationship is weirdly hitting Dana you're right I never thought about it like that but yeah in both cases they don't really because even in even in the show she's got that weird the person she's matched to but he's he's hidden somewhere and then mm-hmm. she's dating this guy but kind of keeping that quiet too until of course everything blows up tragic it, it did make me question all of like yeah their security protocols all um, of that all of that I, like how are you dealing with this many people's data and i mean he could have been the best but it sounded like it was easier than it should have been for him to do what he did within her system and for nobody to notice for so long the number of people's data that he manipulated nowhere in the system did it flag that these records were changing and that something was happening that concerned me did who really do it too i don't know because <laughs> he said it to her and she, how does she even verify how would she know like yeah. right. well, where's you know, her control data yeah right you know mm-hmm. how we are as a world if somebody yeah. even says that then it, it, it's actually believable like it only takes one person to be like i don't think this is a match i think the data's messed up and half the people gonna be like oh no mine isn't right i really wasn't supposed to be matched you only have to put that out there in the universe to be a maybe he could have done much of nothing but to put it out as a maybe it's over and then she killed him. So there's not really a way to dig any deeper because it was right. a, I was like, this wow. seems like a very unfortunate thing. Yeah. Um, you didn't even ask, you know, to your point, Dana, not any of the important questions um, before she killed him. I was like, oh, right, exactly. Okay, that's one way to do it. But yet to Dana's point in the show, there's backstory about Ellie's character that we do not get in the book we just get her being the big ceo 
we get that point. That's the starting point of her story for us. In the show, we get backstory from when they were just doctoral candidates or whatever, trying to figure this out. And and then we also get, and then I think what happens is when she, in the show, when she actually becomes the face of the company is because of that backstory. What she did when they got the 1 million matches and then they were like, oh, this could be a big thing. And then, you know, it all comes out of how they actually ended up getting the DNA or end up get yeah, end up getting the DNA and how they ended up and then they ended up having to kill um kill their roommate or whatever and all of that stuff. So all of that stuff kind of makes Rebecca on the show who she is and puts her as the face. Whereas in the book, Ellie is just a scientist who, you know, of course, somebody who founds the company also ends up being, you know, on the board or something. So she's also the CEO, but she's also laying low and we don't exactly know all of the backstory behind why she doesn't have a match or why didn't she test this on herself or all of that stuff. We don't have that backstory. It makes her seem a little bit naive because I'm thinking you're a scientist. You have been doing this for so long that you've made this multi-billion dollar company. And then, you know, now you're, you're falling for a guy who you're not actually sure you're matched with. It's weird. I do want to ask one last question, which is what I always ask when we do book chats, is if we were rating this book on Goodreads and on the Goodreads scale from one to five, quickly tell me what y'all would rate it. A one star rating is I didn't like it. A two star rating is it was okay. A three-star rating, I liked it. A four-star rating, I really liked it. And a five-star rating, it's awesome sauce or it's amazing. Since Pam is the newbie, I'll pick on her one more time. Pam, what would you rate this book if you were rating it on Goodreads, a star rating from one to five? I would rate it a four. Why would I rate it a four? Um, I just love all the (laughs) twists and turns. I know I'm sitting here like, what? I just, I think it's an exciting read in terms of it continues to move. So I think it, I think it's a good book and people should definitely check it out. All right, cool. We got one four. Stacey, what about you? Can I do a 4.5? No. Yes, you can. Uh, I would say a 4.5. I'm rating it based on when I drive and it's an eight, it's like an eight hour drive. Well, if I get to the place and I'm not trying to wait till I drive back home to listen, but I actually listen to it, can get out the car and continue to listen to it, that makes it a good book for me. I've had a little bit better, so that's why I don't want to do a five, but 4.5 is why what where this was. Um, very good read, kept my attention the whole car ride there, except for when I got to Atlanta where I had to concentrate. So concentrate <laughs> on the road. But other than that, I mean, it was a great book. I really enjoyed it. Marcy, what about you, star rating? I would have to give it a 4.75. It was highly engaging. I liked the characters. I liked the story. I want to give room for potential improvement, but all in all, it it was very close um, to awesome sauce. I definitely loved it. I re- I actually read it and wanted to read it, and 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 again was able to immediately determine that it was not the show, and yeah. to be able to appreciate them separately. So yeah, four point seven five for me. I enjoyed it, um, and I would read something else from him. Dana. Yes. So I am with Stacy on this one. I'm giving it a four and a half. I enjoyed the show, but this book showed me like how much better it could have potentially been. The book was outstanding. I'm glad you guys forced me to start reading it. And I would definitely recommend. I honestly think this is probably one of the best books I've read this year. Oh, awesome. So uh, thank you all for being here. My rating, of course, is going to be a 4.5 as well. But thank you, everyone, for being here. I'm so glad you got to read this book and that you enjoyed it so much. And thanks for hanging out with me and talking with me about it. Bye. (laughs) Thank you for having us. (laughs) This was awesome. Thank you. So that's it for this episode. 
Please subscribe to Nerdy Romantics Podcast wherever you get your podcast to be notified anytime a new episode drops. And if you like what you're hearing, please rate and review. The links are in my show notes at ymnelson.com along with a lot of other links for books and other items that we talked about on our show. And if you really like what you're hearing, click the buy me a coffee button while you're there to support us. Thank you for listening. Star date, not too distant future. Brandon is a diehard Trekkie. He's watched every Star Trek franchise episode multiple times. He has several cosplay and collectible uniforms in his closet. Commander Will Riker is his favorite cosplay character, and he's been to dozens of conventions. But he's never met or gotten in a fight with another Trekkie like Phoenix. Phoenix is looking forward to her first Star Trek convention until she meets Brandon. He's nothing like the Riker character she loves to hate. He's combative, socially awkward, and off-putting. But he's so adorable. Phoenix and Brandon keep running into each other, each time more heated than the next. With three days of convention to get through, will they get past the hostility and find what they know is there? Attraction and perhaps love? This is the premise of Stardate, a free e-story for my newsletter subscribers, available on February 1st. If you like Trekkie romance, romantic comedy, or just like to see a little grumpy sunshine trope, this story is for you. Go to ymnelson.com backslash subscribe and get your free copy.